take your uh, outline there if you've received one and uh, turn with me. We're going back to the book of James and we're about done with this series. I'm looking forward to the new series uh, that the Lord's laid on my heart, Unpacking the Christian Life. And we're going to get started in just a week or two. Brother Robert, right here, this fine looking gentleman right in the middle. You, she, and so uh, to, we're going to continue our series today and next Sunday in the book of James. And then uh, we're going to go ahead and move into that new series. And I've been enjoying uh, just living the authentic Christian life. And today we're going to pick up in chapter number five, the very last chapter. And we're going to get started with these verses here in James chapter five. But as you think about this message, the lesson this morning, one of the things that I, I realized when I study the New Testament is this, that if you study the writings of some of the New Testament writers, here's what you find is, that they believed, and just like I hope you believe this morning, I know I do, that the Lord's coming again someday. They believe that, and there's a word that we use, it's called imminent, meaning that it can happen at any moment, at any time. Uh, the Bible, there's been people over the years that have foolishly tried to predict when the Lord's going to come back. Of course, no man knows the day nor the hour, uh, and it's going to catch some people unawares. And that's why, listen, every day, it's kind of like when you were younger, did your mom and dad ever leave you? You remember the first time they left you at home without them being there? And uh, they, they kind of gave you the, they kind of pointed their finger and said, no parties, no this, no that. When I come back, the house, and, and you know, the thing was is that they would tell you when they're going to come back. And I, I remember one time my mom and dad left and they actually came back earlier than they told me they were going to. And there were dishes in the sink, and there were all kinds, you know, I'd been uh, eating stuff I shouldn't be eating uh, that I wouldn't eat when they were there. And uh, it, it caught me off guard. Well, listen, if we live every day in the light of his return, we won't be caught off guard. And so this morning, I want to talk to you because as J it's interesting, just five short chapters in our Bible, we understand it was just all one letter, but five short chapters. When James is getting close to the end, we've got one more lesson, but he, but he doesn't sign off without first addressing, hey, listen, the Lord's coming back. And so I entitled the lesson today, An Authentic Return, because his return is something that is eminent. And, and as I mentioned, your attitude and my attitude about his return really determines how we're going to live our lives as a Christian. Uh, again, if you're thinking, oh, the Lord could come back today, then it's going to cause you to live differently. Uh, our beliefs about God, I think, wholeheartedly must become practical in our lives. Look, what good is, is knowing God's Word and believing God's Word, but not being able to live it out in your Christian life? See, a lot of people have a head knowledge, but it hasn't quite reached their heart. It hasn't changed the way they live and it's very important that we see this, and this is one of those aspects. The Bible tells us to not just be a hearer of the word, but be what? A doer. Uh, think about it. You, you came to God's house this morning, and uh, you're going to hear a, a lesson in Sunday school, and you're going to hear a message in the next hour, and what you need to do is whatever you hear, whatever God speaks to you about, you need to go put it into practice. You understand what I'm saying? You, you can't just, you know, let it go in one ear and out the other. You've got to make it practical in, in your life. Because, look, the Bible says that we, as Christians, need to let our light so shine before men. 
that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. There ought to be a change in our lives. Christine, I so appreciated your little testimony a couple Wednesday nights ago about how that there was, it was, there was a storm that knocked out the power where she worked and how she, she prayed and she told them. You know, and she had faith that God was going to do that. And God actually, 12 minutes before that, God turned the power back on. What a great testimony. That's the way all of us, we should live out our Christian life. And this, uh, this return of the Lord is something that is life-changing. It's dynamic, and it's something that needs to be a part of our lives. So here in chapter 5, James addresses the coming of the Lord. And the question this morning is this. Are you living every day in the light of his return? Look at these verses in verse number one. The Bible says, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered. By the way, are you kind of seeing a, a theme already about so many things that people put stock in in this world Folks, listen, Job said you came into this world with nothing and you can't take anything with you, all right? They could put it in the grave, they could put it in your casket, but that's where it's going to stay. And he says, look, all these things are corrupted, gold and silver, and the rust shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, or Sabbath. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Notice that verse there. So many people think that having things will make them happy, but notice the, the phrase there, it says, been wanton. It's never enough. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter, Ye have condemned and killed the just, ye, ye, uh, and he doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore. Notice, what's that next word? Brethren. Brethren. Who's he writing to? Christians, right? Now watch this. Be patient under the coming of the Lord. Look, all these things are going on in the world, but you just need to steady, stay the course, is what he's saying. Just be patient until the Lord comes back. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another. Brethren, second time you mention that word, lest ye be condemned, uh, behold, the judge standeth before the door. You know, from that verse here, here's what I kind of get for myself, and maybe I'm off a little bit. But I really believe that it, the Lord is just ready to go. He's just waiting on the Father to say it's time. And so we see here, he says that he is, he is standing there before the door. Take my brethren, third time that he used that word. Take the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them, look at this, happy which endure. Happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and tender of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, fourth time, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Now, wow, what a, what a tremendous portion of scripture here in chapter number five. 
And I want you to think about this because we, as we study the Word of God, we clearly have spent some time. We will tonight, let me encourage you to come this evening as we're going to go through the, the second half of the, the trip that we took to Israel. So many things, and you just pray for me because I don't want it to last four hours, and so I'm trying to trim it down. But there's so many great things there about the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you study the Bible, we see that the Word of God teaches that He was born of a virgin. That's a, that's a big thing when it comes to Bible Christianity, that Jesus was born of a virgin. The Scriptures foretold that He would be. And we also study in the Scriptures the life that He lived, that it was sinless. Uh, we study His death on the cross, and of course we study His resurrection, His ascension back into glory. The Bible reminds us of what Jesus did when He was there as, a, as He was about to ascend back to be with the Father. Look there in Acts 1.11. The Bible says, uh, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, notice that phrase there, not someone else, He's not going to send an ambassador. The Bible says this same Jesus, the one that you see going up into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. In other words, the angels there were reminding those folks that day, and God's word is reminding us that, look, the Lord was here, and the Lord is in heaven today, but guess what? He's coming again. And I believe with all my heart, he's coming soon. As a matter of fact, it'd be just fine with me if today was the day. <laughs> All this trouble and trial, everything would be over. But there was an emphasis, and again, you saw it four times, the use of the word brethren. So James is writing here to Christians, he's saying, look, you've got to understand, this is an authentic return, and you need to be aware of it. It's going to change how you live your life practically on this earth. I think some people would be, would be a greater witness for the Lord if they lived in the light of the Lord's coming. Because, listen, when Jesus comes, the opportunity for people to be saved will then be gone. And so we need to understand how very important it is, the emphasis that's placed here. Now, when he opens in chapter 5, as we read this morning, it's very clear to see that James opens with some warning here. He gives warnings because he's talking about the coming of the, the Lord Jesus Christ and he gives us some ways in these verses that I think will affect our lives. Look at the first one this morning is I think the coming of the Lord is something that we need to be aware of and our possessions. He touches on this matter of our possessions. Now, it's essential to know why we possess what we do and, listen, what we do with the possessions that we have. In other words, what are we doing with them? You know what the second coming does? It gives us total clarity. Uh, you know, the things of this world do not bring happiness. Uh, I, I, I know over the years, my wife and I, we've just tried to simplify things in our lives. We've tried to get rid of some things. And even as the days go on, we probably will continue to get... You know, sometimes you look in your closet and you're like, there's no way I can wear all these clothes, Right? You know, I mean, that's, sometimes I think that's the only reason why we spring clean from time to time is because we can't get the newest clothes that we just bought into our closet because they won't fit. You know, like the other day, I was trying to find a hanger in my closet to hang a shirt, and there was no hanger. And I went to every closet in the house, and there were no extra hangers. I'm like, listen, I have two choices. One is I can go buy some more hangers, 
or two, I can get rid of some clothes. And, and probably it's the latter of the two. Because Listen, I'm like any other good Baptist. I have suits in three or four different sizes, you know, just depending on how big for Jesus I feel, all right? But it's so important that we see the, this matter of the possessions that we have. And notice, I want you to look again, in James chapter 5, in the first couple verses, he mentions these two phrases. Notice how he links them together. He talks about the last days, and then he uses this phrase, heaped treasure. Now, look, I, I'm not going to stand here today and say that, and I, I really do believe that we're living in the last days, but how long that is and how long before the Lord comes back, I don't know, and none of you do either. Uh, we might pretend to know it, but I know this, people are just heaping treasure. Uh, they're piling things. Remember the story in the Bible where he had so much that his barns were full and he tore down his barns and he built greater barns? You know what? That just gives you more stuff to, to, to deal with, more stuff to handle. And that's, that's the day that we're living in. And by the way, that's nothing new. But a lot of times people get caught up in this matter of possessions. There's a word we use sometimes, materialism. Again, there's nothing wrong with things as long as we keep our priorities right. I'm not saying that you, you have to have nothing in this life. But when the focus is on that, and, and instead of on the Lord's return, look at the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moss and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now think about that. How? How? I mean, even Amazon can't get packages to heaven, right? How do you lay up treasures in heaven? How do you get a treasure to heaven? The only way you can do that is that you're involved in things that are eternal, things that God will send on ahead of you. And it's so important because he says, look, all the things of this earth, he says, you know, they're, they're going to rust, they're, they're going to decay, you know. I mean, you look around your house, I mean, things are wearing, you know, things on your car, things on your house, things wear, your clothes will wear. Of course, nowadays, kids are buying them with holes in them already. I don't get that. But, but it's so important that we see that the Bible says that, uh, it says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where's your treasure today? Is it in some bank? Is it parked on your driveway? Is it sitting on the side of your house? Or is it something that you're sending on ahead? See, the Bible says that's where your heart is also. We're, we are doing much to make this world a better place to be to go to hell. Did you hear what I said? We're making much to make this world a better place so that people can go to hell instead of going to heaven. Uh, we need to focus ourselves as Christians, or as James says, brethren, we need to focus on things which are above instead of things which are on this earth. We, we should live every day believing that today could be the day that the Lord's going to come back. In, in Luke chapter number 12, there's a great passage there where the Bible says in, in verse 13, one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Anybody ever... Uh, sat down with the family when they're trying to divide up mom and dad's inheritance, you know? And he says, he says look, uh, to his master, you need to help my brother understand that I need to get my portion, you know? Does that sound familiar, Adam? <laughs> and it, I mean, it's honestly, so, so many times people are fighting over things 
And here's what we see is really a, a family fight about what? About money, about things. Now look as we continue the story here in Luke 12. The Bible says, He said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? That's a good way of staying out of family business right there, isn't it? And he, says, he said unto him, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, and this is where a lot of people are today, soul, they're talking to themselves, uh, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Those are powerful words, aren't they? This night, or, or let me put it this way, today, today you might have to give an account to the Lord. We don't know. I mean, I hope all of us are around here for a long time but the reality is, is just as it says here, this night, now notice this next statement, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Now notice the word then, because look at me, it might be yours now, but if you leave this world today, tomorrow, what's going to happen to all those things you spent your life stockpiling? Who's going to get them then? Uh, I'll be honest with you, when you get to heaven, those things won't matter in eternity. And we, we just think so much about how important it is to have these things. See, when it's all over, we'll wish we have done more for Jesus. We'll wish that we had spent more time living for Him and witnessing for Him and telling other people about Him. And honestly, I think sometimes we lose focus. The coming of the Lord... Again, what does it do? It gives us clarity about our possessions, knowing what is important in life. Riches don't hold the key to happiness. You know what the key to happiness is? It's spelled J-E-S-U-S. That's the, that's the key to happiness. See, to have the Lord means you have everything. And so many times we focus on the wrong sorts of things. And, and you look at what the Bible says in Luke 12, 22, uh, and actually, in your notes, I think it says verse 22, but it's 21. The Bible says, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and notice this phrase, is not rich toward who? Toward God. Oh, you have the wrong verse. Sorry. So it says here that, look, if we want to be rich towards God, then we ought not to lay up treasures for ourselves. We ought to lay up treasures in heaven. We need to be rich towards God. God promised, remember all the way back in the book of Genesis Chapter 3 and verse 15, that's the passage where it talks about bruising his head, remember? And that's, that's called the protovangelium, which is a big word that means this. It's the first mention in the Bible that God would send a redeemer, a savior. God promised all the way back in Genesis 3.15 that he would do that. And as he promised that, uh, that, that savior would come about 4,000 years later, the Bible says in Galatians 4.4, 4, that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son into the world to redeem this world. Aren't you glad that God didn't give up on that promise that he made back in Genesis 3.15? So look, from the time God said that, how about this? 
4,000 years later. Talk about a wait. I struggle at the stoplights here in our, in our area right here. You know, that's a four-minute red light, you know. 4,000 years later, God fulfilled that promise. And listen to this, 2,000-plus years since that, we've seen, of course, Christ come. We've seen His death, His burial, His resurrection, and the promise that Jesus gave while He was here. Look in your notes, John 14, 3. Look at this. Jesus said these words Himself, And if I go and prepare a place for you, look at those next words, I will come again. Jesus said, look, I, I will be back. Uh, you know, they, they can cruise. Remember how so many that, that were uh, followers of Jesus, they wanted him to establish his kingdom when he was on this earth. But you remember, he time and time again showed them and told them that it was not time yet for that to happen. It was not time because he was going to have to go to the cross. He was going to have to give his life. He wouldn't have been the savior of the world if he wouldn't have died on the cross. He was the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Folks, in other words, all of what I'm saying this morning, if you're thinking like I'm thinking, our possessions just seem to kind of get smaller and smaller and smaller. You know why? Because we are thinking more and more about him coming back someday. See, the, the coming of the Lord and this matter of our possessions. Notice the second thing I think that'll help us, and James writes about it, we just read it, is the coming of the Lord and our patience. Any patient people here this morning? Not even a few? Maybe one or two? Everybody else in here is just like me. Don't be like me, all right? Man, I struggle with patience. I mean, I think I must have stepped out of line when the Lord was passing that out. I just... I, I struggle a lot of times. I mean, I, I'm just, I got to have it now. You know, I'm, I, I mean, it's like I'm looking up there. Why is it taking so long for that guy? We were standing there the other day waiting uh, to order something at, at a fast food place. And my wife, go, my wife said, and she's usually the patient one. She's like, is she ordering for her whole, whole family? And I'm like, I don't know what she's ordering, but it's taking forever, you know. And we were just struggling because there was one lady working behind the register, and I wanted to go find the manager and say, you need more than one person working back there. Patience is something that I struggle with. But look what James says when he talks about the coming of the Lord. Look at verse number 7. Go back in your Bible. In verse number 7, he says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Now, does anybody know a modern-day word that we would use for the word husbandman? Somebody said it. What is it? A farmer. A farmer. Anybody ever farmed? A couple of you? You were a farmer? Yeah. I thought you were an auto guy. I guess that was before the... I was born a <laughs> There you go. All right. Farming is, and I've had, I've had a chance to do a little bit of farming. I'm going to tell you this, farming is hard work, you know. And I mean, these jobs that you have nowadays, they're nothing compared to farming. But it's interesting that he uses a farmer when he talks about the analogy of the coming of the Lord and having patience, waiting on the Lord. Because a farmer, you know what he does? He puts a seed in the ground and then he just waits. I don't think I could be a farmer for a living. I mean, I just, I, every day I'd be staring at the ground like, when's it going to come up? You know, when's this going to happen? 
And can I tell you that when is the Lord going to come back? When it's God's time, when the Lord said so. And we need to see this this morning. We've got to be like that farmer. He's waiting for the fruit of the harvest, and he's being patient. I mean, he's being overly patient. He's looking for the appearing of that crop. And you and I, we need to be looking with patience uh, for the coming of the Lord. Look what Titus wrote. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Boy, what, the, what a day that's going to be, right? And he says, we need to be looking for that. It, it, there's coming a day when God will make all things right. I mean, you know, are you like me when it comes to patience, waiting on the Lord? Do you just get kind of frustrated and sick at this world and how things are going? Anybody else like that? I'm just like, there are some real idiots out there in this world, you know? And then I thought, well, I'm one too. But, you know, it, you just think about how so many things are wrong but in this world, we, in our lives, we should want to do one thing, and that is live our lives to where it brings honor to the Lord. Hey, listen, I, I want to live my life in such a way that hopefully someday when the Lord comes back, that I'll have no regrets. But a lot of times we don't live that way. We live each day just thinking about, hey, what can I get out of life? What kind of possessions can I have? Look, the Lord has promised that He's coming. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. Hey, did somebody ever promise you something and break that promise? You know, it's aggravating. But you know, there's been a few times <coughs> where I've promised somebody something, and I've learned to do this, because sometimes it happens that if I break that promise, I try to go to them and at least apologize to them, try to make things right. But I'll tell you this much, the Lord promised, remember we just read it, John 14. He said, I will come again. He promised it, and I believe that the Lord is going to keep his promise. Now, notice it doesn't say promise says. Look at the verse again. As some men, uh, the Lord is not slack concerning his, notice the singular, promise. What promise? He's talking specifically about one thing. He's talking about the, the return of the Lord. He's talking about, I'm coming again. Uh, the Bible continues there in 2 Peter chapter 3. It says, he's long-suffering to us, uh, us were not willing, great verse here for Calvinists, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, this promise continues. Notice it says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, then the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So his coming is not about what we will be like when he returns. Listen now, his coming is going to be like what we should be like while we wait and while we look for his appearing. Folks, listen, don't just live your life to where it's, okay, when the Lord comes back, then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to live for him. No, no, no. While we're waiting for the Lord, we need to be looking for and behaving ourselves. Peter continues, look at the last part of this. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Hey, it kind of sounds to me like God's expecting us to be a Christian while we're waiting for him to come back, right? You know, you think about it. On the wedding day, that groom, he can't wait to see that bride 
and then get to spend the rest of his life with, with her. And that's exactly the way we need to be looking for the Lord is, boy, I can't wait to see the Lord. And I can't wait to spend all of eternity with him. But you know how that's going to happen? It's going to require patience on our part. Patience. Patiently like that farmer waiting on the Lord, uh, knowing that the harvest is coming and knowing that the Lord is coming back. And this will help us in other areas of our Christian life. And again, we think about patience. He mentions here in this passage about the prophets. Listen, you study the Old Testament passage. You know what those prophets did? They were a voice for God. They shared God's word even when it was not popular. And what did they get in return? They suffered. Many of them suffered at the hands, like Jesus, the hands of angry men. And we see here that James mentions the suffering of the, 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 the prophets of the Old Testament and even some of those in the New Testament, how they, they were preaching and telling other people about the coming of the Lord. But he continues to emphasize this. Look at verse number 11. He says, speak not evil. Uh, excuse me, I'm in the wrong chapter. Verse number 11, behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. He, he continues this matter of having patience. The, the farmer has patience, and, and the prophets in the Old Testament, they had patience. And those like Paul and Peter and others in the New Testament, as they waited on the Lord, they had patience. And guess what? The Lord still hasn't come back. But what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to have patience to wait on the Lord. It's not an easy thing because I didn't see maybe one hand go up here this morning. We need to be a patient person and wait on the Lord to work. James, look at what, how he begins this epistle. He says all the way back in chapter number one, let patience have her perfect work. So listen, let's all look here. Let's all think about the Lord's coming and not emphasize or focus on possessions but let's also spend some time learning how to be patient and wait on the Lord. And look at the last one is, I think the coming of the Lord also will affect our purity. Our purity. Remember we just read there, unto all holiness, godliness. The Lord uses our words to emphasize our purity, especially when we speak about the Lord Jesus. Our lives, you can honor God with your own words. Look what it says in Colossians 1.10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Uh, you know, live your life in such a way that you have very few question marks. Somebody should never have a question about uh, your life based on the, the words that you say. James pens these words about our speech and how our speech is affected by the coming of the Lord. So important of how we talk about this, it needs to please the Lord. Look what 1 Peter 4, uh, 12 says. Be thou an example of the believers. And he gives a list here, but how does it start? In what? In word. You guys don't have that verse? 1 Timothy 4, 12. Be thou an example of the believers in word. Now, he gives other ways that we need to be an example, but in word. Matthew 12, 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Sometimes you say something and say, well, I don't know where that came from. I'll tell you where it came from. It came from your heart, you know, from, from the heart. Psalm 19, verse 14, let the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, one thing that God's given to us as parents, if you have children, is that we need to teach our children, and how do we teach them? Using our words. Boy, how important words are. There are ways that we communicate, ways that we teach, and the Bible says that as we teach our children that we need to make sure that our, our speech is sanctified, that it's holy, that it's pleasable to the Lord. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. We need to make sure that our speech is is pleasing to God, that it's proper. Uh, you know, sometimes I even hear people who are Christians say they're a Christian, and when they talk, they use it. Do you all understand the word slang? Slang? Like, what's, what's, what's God's son's name? Jesus. You ever hear somebody use a slang word that's not Jesus? And a lot of times we think, well, it's just it's no big deal. That's, that's using something that honestly is a slant off of the name of Jesus. And that's how the world talks, but God's people shouldn't talk that way. We need to make sure that our speech is pleasing to the Lord. A Christian should not use profanity. You know, I, let's, look, folks, I, I've heard, I know the man. I know a preacher who's up in years that curses in the pulpit. If, if I found out about that and it was my pulpit that he was preaching in, I'd step forward and say, you're done. You're not going to preach in the pulpit and curse. And, and Because look here, those types of things ought not to be coming out of the mouth of a child of God. We should never use crude language, tell off-color jokes, anything like that. We should never, there should never be anything that comes out of our mouths. Why? Because we are thinking about the coming of the Lord. We don't want to do anything in this world to offend or to be a stumbling block so that other people can't go home to be with the Lord. Look, if you're a Christian this morning, that ought to be the desire of your heart. Everything I say, I want it to be pleasing to the Lord because I'm thinking about His return. Jesus was willing to identify with us, and guess what you and I need to do? We need to realize that we are to be different from this world. Now, I'm not talking about weirdos. I'm talking about the fact that the Bible calls us a peculiar people, that we are to be a treasure for the Lord. Look what the Bible says in 1 John 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the what? Now look at me. That means you, if you're saved this morning, according to God's word, you're a child of God. You're one of His sons. Uh, when you were a kid growing up, did you grow up in a home like I did, that if you said something you shouldn't have said because you were a son or a daughter, that your mom or your dad got a bar of soap and cleaned your mouth out? Anybody else have that happen? Because my mouth was very clean for quite a few years, you know, for, for different reasons. But, but look, my parents treated me like I was their son. You know why? Because I was their son. And the Bible is clear that if we are saved, it's evident He calls us the sons of God. Now look at this. Therefore, because we are the sons of God, the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, 
we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purify himself even as he is pure. Folks, I can tell you one thing. By and by, when the Lord comes, I'm going to trade this old flesh that I've got for something way better. Right, Brother Richie? Well, all that, all that we deal with now, all that we suffer with now, hey, listen, all that's going to be in the past. All things are going to become new. But understand, until then, we're thinking about His coming, and guess what? We need to make sure we're not focusing on our possessions. We need to make sure that we are being patient, waiting for the Lord, and that we need to keep our lives pure as we are thinking about the Lord could come back today. I think that's three great lessons from James as you think about the coming of the Lord. How many of you are excited the Lord's coming back someday? How many of you would wish it would be today? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, you think about some of the things, that, some of the doctor's appointments, things that we've got scheduled and all that type of stuff. Hey, listen, today would be fine with me. I guarantee you that. Well, let's pray. And listen, before we pray, live every day of your life with this thought. Today could be the day. Today could be the day. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning and for the, the, the truth that we know that you are coming again someday. That you said yourself, I will come again. Thank you for the encouragement this morning from the Word of God. And I pray that you'd help us to live every day in the light of your return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.